What did you eat for breakfast? Uh, I had some uh, uh, toast with um, some some yummy uh, green yum on it. <laughs> okay. You know, I, had, uh, I had semi-green yum on mine. You don't know what green yum is, do you? <laughs> no. Okay, well, green yum is a combination of spirulina, turmeric, goat's cheese, and olive oil all mixed up, and it's, uh, you put it... You put it on your toast and it's got a superfood. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business. 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 Recommendation, 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 promotion, entrepreneurship, live shows, live shows, music, streaming, streaming, overcoming self-overcoming, This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. I have some great news for listeners of the podcast. If you're a band or an artist that needs some merch printed, or a business that needs promotional apparel or other items, in the month of January 2020, call Skinny Armadillo and mention the Music on Your Own Terms podcast and get 10% off your first order. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you'll find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. Welcome to episode 35 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Joining me this episode is award-winning producer, guitarist, and fellow Brit, Chris Burkett, whose album credits have collectively sold over 100 million copies, including Sinead O'Connor's I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got, featuring the massive Prince cover of Nothing Compares to You. Chris is joined by Shari Talon, a pianist, flautist, composer, and music educator who, together with Chris, form the Free Spirits. We have a fantastic conversation that covers both Chris and Shari's individual histories, how they met and formed the band, and the creation and meaning of their new album, 1111. We also discuss Chris's thoughts on what it means to be a musician and the state of the corporate music industry today, as well as Sherry's incredible work with disadvantaged and disabled children that brings the joy of music into their lives to help tackle some of their day-to-day challenges. Most importantly, though, 
we hear about the theremin incident during the recording of John Otway's latest album on the island of Montserrat, and discover the composition of the mysterious Green Yum. Let's dig in. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm joined by Chris Burkett and um, Sherry Talon, collectively known as the Free Spirits. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. How Thank you, guys you doing? so much. Yeah, we're fine. We're very happy to talk to you, Simon. Yeah, you as well. So I've been digging a bit on your bios, and uh, Chris, you, you're a multi-instrumentalist, uh, you're an um, award-winning producer, guitar player, and Sherry, you're a um, pianist, flutist, composer, piano consultant, and teacher. So I, I, let's start with Chris. I mean, can you give mm-hmm. me a bit of history of where, where you came from, where you got into music? Yeah, it's quite long, so, but I'll, do, I'll give you the short version. So I started playing guitar at the age of eight. Uh, and I came from a pretty f- poor family, so I had to make my first guitar out of bits of wood that I found in the garbage. Okay. Uh, but I was determined to play. And then uh, when I was about 15, I formed my first band in a little town called Farnborough in Hampshire, which is near London, England. Yep, I'm familiar with it. And uh, so I brought uh, my first guitar when I was 12, my first proper guitar. Uh, but I'm actually left-handed, and I had to change over mm-hmm. uh, because my, I couldn't afford the left-handed version, so I bought the right-handed one. So when I was 12, I changed from left to right-handed playing. Okay. And then uh, uh, when I was, uh, I did an electronics degree when I left school because uh, my dad wanted me to do it. And then, uh, but I, my big epiphany happened with my college. Uh, I was studying electronics, aircraft electronics, at the university uh, in Farnborough. Mm-hmm. And Deep Deep Purple came and played uh, at our college. So wow. I was standing, I was standing right in front of Richie Blackmore, who incidentally came from my town. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah, uh, no. I, I was watching Richie playing, and uh, I had this epiphany. I thought, I don't want to be an electronic engineer. I want to be <laughs> him. I want to be yes. like him. <laughs> right. So, so as soon as I finished my uh, my my degree, I uh, grabbed a. I had a, at the time I had a Gibson SG guitar and a suitcase with a couple of T-shirts in it. I jumped on the train and ran away from home and wow. never went back. And uh, I, was, I slept on the streets in London for a while and just grabbed every gig I could do. Mm. And then one, one night uh, I was working in a gas station doing a night shift to get some money to pay rent. And uh, a guy came in and said, are you Chris Burkett, the guitar player? I said, yeah, it's me. I thought he was going to hold up the gas station because he looked like big and tough. And he said, well... Uh, we're in a band called uh, Montana Red Dog, and we have a 18-month tour of Germany. We're leaving tomorrow morning, and we need a guitarist. Would you like to come? I said, hell yeah. So I, as soon as the boss came in at 7 in the morning, I quit, mm-hmm. and then I ju- they ride with the truck, and we jumped, I jumped in and went off to Germany, and then uh, we ended up being the best soul band in Germany. So the agent asked us to play... Uh, be the, the actual band for the Memphis artists that came over to entertain the troops, the NATO troops. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got to play guitar for Rufus Thomas mm-hmm. and Peebles. Uh, you remember Ann Peebles, I Can't Stand the Rain. And uh, King Knight and Gene Floyd. Uh, King Floyd and Gene Knight. So mm-hmm. I ended up playing uh, with some major Memphis talent. Uh, came back from Germany and then I joined a band called Love Affair and we had a hit record called Everlasting Love, yep. which you probably remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, the bass player of Love Affair told me about a band that just signed a contract with Tony Visconti, uh, David Bowie's producer. Mm-hmm. And Tony, uh, 
they, they all liked the way I played. I went to an audition and they, I got the gig. And uh, and then I made two albums with Tony and my band was called Omaha Sheriff. Uh-huh. And we were like kind of Genesis, kind of yes kind of band, you know, at the time. And, uh, and then um, Tony, uh, I was watching him working in the studio and he was, I was very impressed by how he made records. He's a great uh-huh. engineer. Constantly asking him questions and annoying him, and so he became my mentor. Uh, and he, he said once in an interview, "Oh yeah, Chris Burkett. You know, I, I taught him everything he knows, but mm. not everything, not everything I know." So, <laughs> so, 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 uh, so I went from there from playing in a band, kind of a successful band, you know, mm. making records with a great producer. I went into record production. And then I went on to open my own studio in London and I started producing some major people. I produced uh, Sinead O'Connor's biggest album, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. It's, uh, this year is the 30th anniversary of that album. Wow. And, and we made a record called Nothing Compares to You, which is written by Prince. And that was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I was making uh, quite a lot of money as a producer. I made probably over half a million dollars in royalties on that record. And I bought the Chateau in the south of France and opened a studio down there and recorded the Buena Vista Social Club and Bob Geldof and Buffy St. Marie, who I've been working with since 1992. I produced the last five albums. So then I made my, a name for myself as a record producer. Mm. And then I ended up in Canada. And uh, the reason I came to Canada is I released an album called Freedom in Paris where I was living at the time. I moved uh-huh. to Paris. Uh, the French people loved my music, but I couldn't get radio play because I was singing in English. So I thought, well, I need to get over the Atlantic. So I managed to find a way to get into Toronto. And uh, so when I arrived in Toronto, I did a, my debut Canadian album called Be Creative. And that featured some major Canadian talent. Uh, Blue Rodeo's drummer played on it, the famous Canadian band. And then uh, I met Shari about uh-huh. four years ago. And uh, we, we hit it off straight away. She came to play at some of my gigs. And she's a great flute player and keyboard and vocalist. So uh, we, we decided to make an, an album. We'll actually start recording tracks. We've done about 30 tracks together. It's incredible. Wow. And we write, we're very compatible. So we write songs really easily together. And then we thought, well, let's, you know, let's form a band. So that's how the Free Spirits came about. So that's where we're at nice. right now. Yeah. I mean... Um... It's funny you mentioned like Farnborough. I, my dad took me to the air show every year because he's a um, an engine. Uh, he was an engineer, so he worked yeah. on military contracts. But yeah, no. You, uh, so your studio was in Bordeaux. Um, I actually. Well, I had, hmm? uh, well, I had a studio. I worked at. That's where I did my electronics degree at the Royal Aircraft Establishment, where they used right. to do the air the air shows. But mm. my my first my first studio is called CB Sound, and it was in London. Okay. And that, that studio, I made so many hits in that studio that it got rated as the second best studio in the world. Wow. And uh, Billboard magazine phoned me up soon after the Sinead O'Connor hit. And they said, uh, tell me about your studio. We've rated you as the second best studio in the world, right? Above like Powerhouse in New York and all this stuff, right? So I said, well, it's just a potting shed, really. You know? <laughs> it was a converted garage at the bottom of my house in London. So, you know, so, so it doesn't matter about... The thing about the point of the story is it doesn't really matter about the equipment you have. It's how you Absolutely. use it, right? Sure. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, in, um, you mentioned your studio in Bordeaux. My family went to uh, Coes. I don't know if you're familiar with Coes, but it's it's like 14 miles from Moyenne. 
Like oh, every, yes. we went there on holiday every year. Yeah. It was great, quite, quite it? funny. And and well, your wife moved to the States, so yeah. Oh good for you. <laughs> great. Interesting. So when my studio was yeah. built, uh, my, it was built in the chateau. It's a thirty-two room wine mm. chateau. Of course, I didn't make wine there, but uh, we had all the wine stuff down in the cave underneath the house. Uh, but I, but I, uh, it introduced me to French wine, so it was very nice. Uh, and uh, the studio down there was a residential studio, so a lot of people used to travel from like the Buena Vista Social Club were doing a tour of the world. Uh-huh. And the record company asked me if I'd record their second album, so that's how we got to, you know, make that record down there. Nice. But I, but I closed the studio, moved to Paris, opened a studio in Paris, and then, then after that, I opened a studio in Hawaii, mm. um, through some of friends of Buffy Saint Marie. Uh, but I didn't feel comfortable in Hawaii. There wasn't any music business there. It's just really a place for chilling out and surfing, you know. So that's why I decided to move to Toronto and Toronto is a really great uh, town you know it's a lot of right. great musicians and of course I wouldn't have met Sherry if I hadn't moved to Toronto so I'm very happy Absolutely. that I moved there yeah, yeah so I mean Sherry what, what's your background where, how did you get into music uh, well I've been playing music my whole life started on piano when I was a kid and then got into flute when I was about 12 began uh, composing songs about 15 Mm-hmm. And then just began to go out and play. Uh, I had an analog recording studio, 8-track, and Tascam 80-8, mm-hmm. and then a 16-track Fostex. And um, I began producing albums actually for the educational market. I've always been involved in music education. Um, always saw how creativity and music could help everybody. Uh, I noticed on you know, some of your stuff that you're interested in mental health. And Absolutely. actually, I, I did a few uh, piano concerts with some uh, classical players, a violinist and a pianist, uh, for a couple of different uh, mental health charities here in awesome. um, southern Ontario. And I uh, began to be involved with uh, music education. So I would write tons and tons of songs for teachers. Uh, and I had a great uh, review uh, school library journal in New York City. Um, and they, because of that, I got to sell the albums worldwide uh, to universities, colleges, you know, early childhood educators, mm-hmm. libraries, and families. Uh, so I did a lot of kids' music um, uh, years and years ago. Uh, at the same time, always writing my own songs and piano pieces. Mm-hmm. And then I met Chris, actually, while I was living in eastern Ontario through LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, I was looking for a studio to help me with a piano piece just to get some, uh, filter out some sounds. And um, in exchange for uh, what he did for me, I started, I played some Penny Whistle on a wonderful song he wrote called Turning Around the Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a video on our YouTube channel. And um, then we just, uh, we began playing and having a great time. And then all our collaboration and writing has led to this album. So it's very exciting. Awesome. So yeah, let's talk about the album. Uh, it's called 1111 and it was released on 1111 of last year. Is that correct? Yes, officially we released it on CD Baby. On November the 11th, uh, 2019, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm sporting my uh, uh, musician conference shirt that I just went to this last summer. Oh, oh ex- excellent. Is that from CD Baby? Yeah, it's the CD oh, Baby God. conference. It was in Austin, and it's going to be in Austin yeah. next next year too. So. Oh, excellent. Oh, th- sorry, yeah. this, this coming year. So. Um, yeah. so what's the significance of the 11-11 title? Uh, do you want the... Uh, the, the kind of surface meaning, or do you want the the, the deep let's, esoteric let's, spiritual? Let's go meaning? deep. Let's go really deep. deep. Let's go <laughs> deep. Yeah. Well, well, eleven eleven is a is a kind of a magical number. I don't know whether you're interested in the Kabbalah or anything like that, but there 
it shows, it indicates uh, angelic intervention. And okay. sometimes you'll, you'll see 11.11 appear like on your clock or somewhere at, at certain really key moments in your life and things really happen at that time. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you ever noticed that, but something, sometimes when you get an epiphany about something, you might look at your clock and then it's 11.11. So it's very interesting. So it has a very deep significance. And the other reason we chose the title is because uh, we, there's 11 songs on the album. Mm-hmm. We had we had about 25 to choose from, but we wanted to make this album. Originally, it was going to be 12, and we, we thought, let's make it 11. Yeah. Uh, in fact, and then, we, uh, then we thought it should be 10 songs, but we did a cover of a Sly and the Family Stone song, which we discovered. We discovered Larry Graham on YouTube. He's a Bulls been a fan of his. And he was doing a uh, a lesson uh, how to play slap bass, okay. and he's one of the, he's one of the best bass players in the world, right? So mm. uh, he so he's showing uh, the bass line on uh, everyday people, and and then we thought, well, that is a really cool peace message. It's about getting on together, you know. Mm. There, you know, the w- lyrics of everyday people. You know, it's like uh, there is the the blue one who doesn't won't accept the green one. We're living with a fat one, trying to be a skinny one. It's all about Getting on with our, ourselves, you know, like the Dalai Lama says, un- unity and diversity is the way forward for humanity. Right. Right? Absolutely. And, and we thought, um, our, essentially, our message on our album is most of the songs are about peace and about getting on, trying to find a way to get on together. Mm. You know, the, uh, separatism is one of the greatest evils on this planet. You know, we don't accept other cultures, we don't accept other races. Totally. And we're very, we're very paranoid. It's one reason why we haven't had real. Uh, contact with the rest of the universe is we're still really aggressive and really mm. savage. So, so that made the eleventh track. You know, we decided let's put that on, and then there's eleven tracks, and then we we thought we know about the eleven eleven thing. We you know we are subscribed to a, 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 a society called the eleven eleven. They send very spiritual messages all the time. It's kind of okay. channeled stuff, right? So then we thought, well, there's eleven songs on the album. Let's call it eleven eleven, and let's release it on November the eleventh. So it all go. kind of tied tied up like that. Right. No, it's a great it's a great message. I mean, especially right now, definitely need need more than more of that than ever. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for people not familiar, could you like uh, give a like a description of your music? Over to you, Chef. Okay. Well, um, it's exciting because um, working with Chris, there's a multiple of genres. There's rock. Mm-hmm. Um, world music, some Latin music, instrumental music. Um, as Chris was saying, we, we would listen to Yes or we would listen to Jean-Luc Ponty uh, before we would, you know, get into writing. <laughs> Great. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, I want one of those. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we would, you know, always get inspired. Um, and then lyrically, we wanted to also do things of peace. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, right now, what's going on with the world and the climate change and our environment. Um, so we have a song called The Hidden Life of Trees that's based on the book with the same title. Okay. And the author, the author really liked the song. Um, Chris linked up uh, with him um, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a song called Seeds of Peace. And that song was chosen for a video for the Al Gore Project. And um, we had climate somebody, uh, the climate change, that's mm-hmm. right, and um, in Germany, and she had put that one together. Um, so we're very interested in this album to just raise people's awareness uh, of, um, you know, 
peace in the world and how we can work together. Uh, we have a song called Safety in Numbers, mm -hmm. uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, also, because at the time we were hacked <laughs> with our credit wow. cards. Yeah, yeah. Safety and, in um, Numbers. I, I just <laughs> explained it. Safety in Numbers came about because uh, we found that we have to put tape over our cameras <laughs> on the computers because uh, there, there are hackers in the world who can actually get in and see what you're doing. Oh, probably yeah. people what probably people watching us right now as we're talking, right? Hello. Uh, so, yeah. so which is fine because we're not doing anything. But if you're doing something private, you don't want to be, you know, people, right. the whole world seeing it. But anyway, the, the, there's a serious problem about that now. It's being watched by everybody. So that we thought, well, what is it that's, what is, what's positive about this? And what's positive is that there's so many of us. Mm -hmm. There's so many millions of people online. There's the chances of you being, People looking at you is very, very remote. So we have safety in numbers, but it also means safety in numbers is also a message about getting getting on with each other. You know, mm. uh, be, being it's uh, you know you have uh, uh, you know if we if we work together as a as a human race, we can overcome certain problems as well. If, so it's a double message really. In that and as a matter of fact, I've, because we've been so interested in the climate change and environment, there's a TED Talk, and they're having uh, October 10th, 2020. It's called countdown.ted.com. Um, in uh. Norway, they're having a conference. And what they were saying is that we really need the whole world to unify. Uh, they have a plan, which is very hopeful, a uh, 10-year plan and a 30-year plan, and a lot of getting a lot of the CEOs that are now producing cars, you know, to get rid of the emissions. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they really just kept on saying, you know, with the numbers, whether you're a child, a teen, an adult, we can make a difference if we all pull together. So that's what we're hoping this album will do as well. Um, music mm. has such a beautiful way of uplifting uh, the listener. And so we wanted our lyrics to be really special. And also the music is uh, is very beautiful and it has a lot of surprises in the arrangement. Mm. Um, the arrangements, you know, like Seeds of Peace, we were listening to Yes at the time, so we were doing some great vocal arrangements. Mm. And uh, we always want to stretch it so it's not you're just your standard song of your first mm. chorus, bridge, and solo. Uh, we wanted to really make the, the music um, as beautiful and interesting as possible. Yeah, well, you could awesome. do that these days. The, the exciting thing about now is... The old system has broken down, as you know. The uh -huh. old, you know, the system used to be record company, signs band, puts lots of money into it, but tells them what to do, you know, because it's all about marketing, right? Yeah. So now, so now we, uh, everybody's free to actually do whatever they want to do, and it's just down to their own passion and de determination uh -huh. to get the stuff out and be heard. So that gives us incredible freedom as artists. So we didn't follow any formats on this record. You know, there's certain... If I'd done this record ten years ago, I'd be thinking, "Oh, we're going to put a you know chorus there because there's a you know a verse and a pre-chorus, and it's going to go into that." We don't care about that anymore because it doesn't really matter. We're not trying to please a, a coke sniffing A&R guy. You know, we're we're actually you know we we can do what we want and right. just we have, uh, so so that that I see that as a really good thing. Most people think it's negative because there's not so much money around, but the, the but the corporation, the, the record company, corporate corporate interest was. All about just making tons of money and exploiting. So it's exploiting, yeah. And they, they would t take an artist and just drop them if they didn't didn't have a hit. So that's a, that's fading away now. And I, I look at them people as sharks, mm. and the sharks are swimming away for looking elsewhere for food. It's leaving us artists to, to you know be a, a little bit freer to express what we want to express. So I actually think we're living in a very exciting time now. It's really it's really good for artists. Yeah, that that's really great to hear because. 
given you, you know your history in 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 the industry um you know i was going to actually ask you you know given the amount of change we have seen um you know what what do you see that hasn't actually changed uh well what hasn't changed is uh inspiration mm. uh there's always been really the inspired songwriting uh but it, a lot of it was curtailed and cut by business interest mm. uh back in the 70s for example uh, you know like like Jethro Tull, uh, who we're fans of, and, and Sherry plays flute, so she's really into Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson. Mm. Uh, they they did like eight albums before Living in the Past came out, and then suddenly they had a hit, right? Right. Uh, the, the record companies now won't stay with a band for eight albums. It's not going to happen anymore. But the, the inspiration itself is always there, always has been. It's just been steered by unscrupulous interest, business interest. And that is now... Fading away because there's not so much money in it. So, it's, which is, I, I just I re- reiterate what I said earlier. I think it's really good. It's a really good fertile soil for for creativity now. Creativity right. has never has always been with us. And uh, I don't know what, uh, I don't know whether you write songs or not, but mm-hmm. uh, when we don't actually write songs, they just come through us. We don't even try. We just leave ourselves open, and this stuff comes through. It's like it's almost like channeling, you know. Stream of consciousness. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I've, I've worked with, you know, Sting and Peter Gabriel and Bob Geldof, some really major people. Thomas Dolby. Uh, Thomas Dolby, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I've, uh, all the all the, the artists that I've worked with, which I consider really great songwriters, have admitted to me that they didn't actually write their songs. They they just came, you know, you get, this song comes out and you think, where the hell did that come from? Right. But it's there, it's there, right? So that, that is, I, that's divine providence. There's something coming in that needs is looking for a materialization we just become vehicles for that uh-huh. and, I, and i think that's uh really exciting is because now we can we can channel this stuff and not be you know cut off and told what to do right. when you tell when you tell an artist what to do it kills the creative spirit you, you have to just do what you you're feeling without any agenda the agenda should not be to be famous or to make money that's not where great music comes from you know, Sinead O'Connor, this classic example, she, she's, uh, she can only play three chords. She wasn't interested in being famous. I, you know, I went to a concert in the Albert Hall when she went after Nothing Prepared to You was released. And she stood on stage and I was with the record company. We had like, you know, VIP seats and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. She, she said, I'm going to do this song written by Prince called Nothing Compares to You. Excuse my Irish accent. And she said... If I'd known it had been a hit, I never would have done it. And, <laughs> and the vocal company go, well, what's she saying? You know, you can't say that. But, that. but that's a sign of a true artist. They're not, they're not the artists don't, the agenda is not to be famous or make a great pop song. Their agenda is to express what they're feeling and it mm-hmm. comes out. And that's really healthy. And that's what we're, we're coming back to that now, which is really cool. That's awesome. Um, I did read one thing um, that you worked with uh, John Otway at one point uh, on your oh, web- website. Yeah, many times. Part, so the last ever gig I saw before I left the UK in uh, 2000, I saw John Otway, Eddie and the Hot Rods, the Hamsters, and Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you know, awesome uh, concert. <laughs> have you heard his last album? It's called Montserrat. I haven't. Uh, oh, not Monster Rat, Monster Rat. <laughs> uh, we we actually recorded. John contacted me. I bumped into him in Toronto because he just released his movie called 
John Otway, Rock and Roll's Greatest Failure. It's a mm-hmm. very funny movie. Uh, so I bumped in. I went to see him because I hadn't seen him for years. We wrote mm-hmm. some songs together in 1972 or something, and we wrote an album called All Balls and No Willie. <laughs> he split up with Wild Willie Barrett, right? So, so I, was, I became John's guitar player, and I, then I didn't see him for years until I met him in Toronto mm. a, couple, a few years ago. And then John said, "Well, oh, it's great to meet you, Chris. I'm, I want to do a new album. Would you like to produce it?" I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." He said, "We're going to do it in Montserrat." Mm. So, so uh, we were the uh, no, the last pe- person to record in Montserrat, well known, was the Rolling Stones, and they recorded it at Air Montserrat, George Martin's studio. And I said, well, George Martin's studio has been destroyed by a hurricane, hasn't it? How are we going to record? He said, don't worry about it. We're going to go to his house. He's got this house there called Olverston House on Penny Lane. Okay. And, and uh, he said, we're going to go there. So we, we trucked over. I, I got, took some gear over in flight cases. We got this you know, dodgy little plane from Antigua to Montserrat. And we converted George Martin's basement into a recording studio, and we, oh. that's how we did. That's how we did John's last album. Yeah. Check it out; it's fantastic. I will. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great album. I, I was fortunate if I got to jam some flute with him on theremin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John. John is the world's worst theremin player, but he but he uses it really well. You know what a, ther- you know what a theremin so is? It's the first synthesizer ever made. So yeah. Sherry. Sherry was jam. We've got some videos on it. She was jamming. With, he said, he's, he looked at her flute. And said, "This is the same size as the theremin." So we've got to do, a, you know, we've got to use this. So, so she she was jamming with him on the theremin. It's very funny. I like the uh, um, the, the the joke. You know, um, theremin for sale, never been touched. Yeah. Well, we tried to dump the theremin out of a helicopter. The the because John's band are really wicked rock musicians and they they hate the theremin because it, you know it's like it's, it's uncontrollable instrument right so we actually were going to drop it out of the helicopter into the volcano is it? Wow. <laughs> <over there. laughs> that's great so I'm very happy that you like you like John Otway though he's a real character yeah it was a, it was so, a really so good good he's job. still you know, he's still jumping off of a stepladder on stage, you know, doing double somersaults. He's over 60 now. And he's, oh, he's, that he's, can't, he's, be, uh, can't be that healthy. <laughs> Some of the stages. I think he's made of rubber. So given your, your background, I mean, and, and both of you can answer this question, what's been the most important skill or strategy that has landed you an opportunity um, or opportunities well, in general? Well, the ability to write songs is the, what's opening doors for us now. Mm. We're, we're, our new album, Eleven Eleven, is uh, getting a, a lot of interest over here. We've you know we've got radio stations, big, big radio stations, want to interview us, and we've got the release party coming up on the eleventh of January, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday, this this Saturday, yeah. um, and I think that our skill at songwriting has opened a lot of doors. And uh, that's you know, um, and apart from that, we we get on really well together, and it's really important to find. Uh, I believe that the sum of the parts are greater than the parts. You know, if you get one person writing songs, it's good, but when you get two people, it's four times as good. Mm. And that and that's why people should work together in teams. It's, it, that's one of the things that's lacking these days because everybody can make music on a laptop, right? So you're getting a lot of people working in isolation. And uh, I think it's important to work with other people. So there's, it's our it's our team spirit that we have as well, which has created such a great album. And also, 
of Chris's history in record production, he's produced so many records for so many wonderful artists mm. uh, that now producing music for ourselves and for himself is taking all that beautiful talent and arrange and arrangements and just things that are not boring, changing the bass roots, just doing things. And, you know, uh, sometimes he'll say, oh, I think you're going to really like this. You know, and I'm watching him work. And, you know, it's wonderful. it's been wonderful for me because I've learned a lot about Pro Tools. I've learned a lot watching the way Chris produces mm -hmm. and how some incredible ideas just start to grow and blossom. Um, so I think all that beauty in, uh, in, in all of his past uh, talent is brought forth now, you know, in his own original songs and our own original songs. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, going around and playing is, is uh, uh, you know, playing these days is a lot different, uh, like even in the clubs in Toronto, but you still create a fan base of people that really love the music. And, yeah. you know, even just one fan at a time is wonderful because when someone really loves your music, um, you know, and we've had people writing us, um, this one gentleman who lost his wife and he was just like, your music has touched me so much. And, you know, you know, going back to mental health, why do people listen to music? What is it that they love about music? Mm. It changes their vibration. I, I know when we begin to play and write and record, it changes us. It makes us so happy. Absolutely. So I think all that happiness comes you know, forward onto the, onto the recordings. And then mm -hmm. when you share that with an audience, you know, it touches them. And we hear stories all the time of people that uh, say how much it touches them. And so it's a lovely gift. Yeah, music is the ultimate therapy. Mm -hmm. it's the, we, we call it the universal language of yep. music because you can communicate across the barriers of race and culture and social status. You can go right past all that. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the way to one humanity, you know, if you uh, if you were to take a spaceship and leave the planet and look down, you would not see political boundaries right. or cultural boundaries. You'd just see a one humanity. Mm -hmm. And the thing about thing about music, it's on that level of being able to cross those boundaries. So I think it's a very very important medium. It's finer. It's the finest artistic medium. You have a person that carves stone statues. You know, makes sculptures and out of wood and clay. That's a that's a dense medium, mm -hmm. and uh, it's beautiful. And the person who makes paintings, they're working with liquids and colors and everything. Uh, but they they're tangible uh, substances. But music is is not you can't see it or touch it. Right. And that's what makes it so powerful. It can it can it's the highest, in my opinion, the highest possible art form and expression communication medium that we have on this planet. So I think it's really cool. I'm very grateful to be able to use that medium and enjoy it too. You know, we, you know, it's, it's so satisfying. I mean, we do a song. I don't, we don't really care if anybody hears it actually, because the, the great gift and the, and the reward is just mm. the fact that something has come out that we really enjoy doing. It's, a, it's kind of irrelevant if anybody hears it. That's another thing. It's like, okay, now we want people to hear this. That's another stage of, all right, that's marketing and sure. effort, you know, concerts and that sort of thing, you know, which are also great fun. But I, but I have to tell you that the, the, the thing we receive most, the most gratitude just comes from the fact of being able to be a vehicle to, you know, to channel this stuff, mm. which we call music. And this is so satisfying. It's the most wonderful thing. And I think that comes across and can be a therapeutic value to anybody in any condition, if they, you know, people with Alzheimer's, it's been proven that it helps. If they mm -hmm. learn to play a piano, it helps to you know, 
regress the, the onset of Alzheimer's. And yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of evidence now about just how important music is. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. It's it's a form of med- meditation because it it you know it, you're you're totally in your right brain. You know, yeah. time logic is is kind of ignored, and you're you're developing that side of your brain brain when you're learning an instrument. You're building neurons, uh, neural pathways. So it's it's the brain is doing something different than it does in you know the regular. Regular day to day time, logic, math, you know, although yeah. music is math, but um, yeah, and it, and it can totally. We actually, uh, a few episodes ago, I talked to um, uh, another musician, and we were talking about music not only being healing because it's med- meditative, uh, but also the actual sound waves being physically healing. And you yeah. get to certain, I've definitely researched something, um, there's you know, there's 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 healing music you can get on Spotify, and and it's just like certain frequencies that are meant to be, um, you know, healing or stress reducing, or you know, there's different frequencies that do different things. So yeah, to- yeah. To- totally agree. And yeah. you know, when I first met Chris, he ha- gave me his album "Be Creative," and it really mm-hmm. resonated with me because at the time I was working with music education with autistic kids. And awesome. a lot of uh, kids at risk, a lot of First Nations kids in a very small you know, Eastern Ontario rural mm-hmm. community. And I began a program called the Creative Players After School because I, I was working with all these kids that just, they needed something. And I yeah. know what creativity does. So when you allow people to be creative, and you know, Chris does a lot of songwriting workshops, rhythm workshops, and, awesome. and as well as I did as well uh, during this particular period. And these kids, um, you know, I thought it was going to be a big music production drama sort of a thing and it ended up being skits that the kids mm-hmm. would like I bring like these mm-hmm. props and they it was just like when we were kids playing cops and robbers yeah. and uh they just like all of a sudden had a self-esteem and a confidence and uh, when they were out on the playground they were able to use their creativity to maybe make a joke instead of before they might get into a fight sure. so you know I was hoping to and still I'm hoping to take this program across Canada there's so many community centers, what are the programs mm-hmm. for kids? It's such an easy program to run because you just let the kids do it and you're just sort of facilitating something uh, to keep them respectful of each other. Sure. Um, so, you know, creativity is healing when each person can be creative themselves and when they pick up an instrument or they sing or they write, like as you said, it's that left side of the brain and you just like feel empowered with this. It's like goosebumps. It's like you feel so good. And it, and it heals you, the vibration of the music or mm. just participating. You know, and I would look around at the classrooms and kids would be just like sitting there, uh, bored. Mm. So I wanted to engage them, you know, with mm. music. And uh, I had a one boy, grade eight Asperger's, and he had a really tough time. And he was playing ukulele and we had a band and it changed their lives. So that's, that's I really awesome. think, yeah, music can heal, change people's lives, inspire and I think that's what's so exciting. And we've been working, you know, at promoting this album and, you know, uh, rehearsing. But we were just talking about, wow, can't wait to get back into creating new music again. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Have some more fun. Yeah, yeah we, had to, we had to sort of learn our songs. Because mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're recording, the ideas are quite coming through rapidly. And then we capture them and, you know, like get them down. But then that's all the creative process. And then thought, oh, we, we need to promote this, I guess. So, and then we had to sort of learn, learn. We've been spending ages like learning our own parts, <laughs> but it's sounding good now. We've been done a lot of rehearsal and we're we're ready for our uh, debut launch. It's going to sound great. Yeah, great. 
Do you have a a, a larger band um, members to do that, or are you playing um, tracks, or like how no, are the arrangements we, working? What we're doing is uh, at the t- at the moment because we're on a low self financing budget. You know, we don't have a record mm-hmm. label behind us. Uh, what we're doing is uh, we've created special mixes in the studio uh, to represent the sounds on the album that we can't do on stage. Okay. Um, so uh, so what so we're playing what you might call playback mixes, and we're adding live what we do. So the show is playing the flutes and the penny whistles and some keyboards, and I'm doing the guitars, and, and we're both singing. Mm-hmm. So so we left all that stuff off the stage mix. So it sounds sounds pretty impressive. I mean, we would like to on future albums work with other musicians. What we're trying to do is get a, a you know try and get noticed and get a, build up our fan base, mm-hmm. uh, which we're, which we're doing now quite well. And then on the next album, we will probably have the uh, financial possibility of having a band around us. Because awesome. as you know, it's a lot more expensive to do a gig with a band in oh, the rehearsals. Yeah. You need to pay people because, you know, we can't, can't expect musicians to work for nothing, you know, like mm-hmm. most people do, you know. But so, so we're keeping it really simple. It's just, on, at the moment, it's just a duo and uh, play, very good playback mixes. But it sounds really good, really good. So. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, we're hoping, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was going to say, we're, we're hoping to tour. Uh, we have some contacts in Australia uh, for next December, for some festivals. Hopefully things will get, the fires will be yeah, put out by then. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's really so hard it's for them. Yes. Yeah, we're going to light a different kind of fire in Australia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Not a destructive uh, one, a, a constructive that, that's fire. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the flame. Um, and, you know, we'd like to tour Germany. We'd love to come to Texas. Uh, of course, you know, Ontario, wherever, wherever, um, you know, fans love our music. And that, that's why we're so excited to do this podcast with you, because uh, you're our first podcast in the United States. Awesome. And uh, I know that it's a great musical market. Mm. So uh, who knows where it can take us? It's a fun journey. Yeah, I mean, I was going to give a shout out to uh, one of the previous guests. Uh, there's an Italian band called Cal Porter, um, and they're a trio. Um, but they have collaborative artists and it's world music slash jazz. Um, and I think it would be, you know, you definitely, uh, like cross pollinate between the two bands because they, they have done the similar thing where they've got all these collaborative artists on the record and now they have to go, mm-hmm. they have a few musicians that they do live music to, but they've got to rearrange their music a little bit to do it live because there's so yeah, much yeah. different stuff on the album. So. Yeah, I mean, oh, nice. definitely have to hook you guys up. Yeah, yeah we'd be happy be to awesome. meet them. Yeah, yeah, and work with them. Yeah, that'd yeah. be so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I like to do towards the end. I like to ask some big, bigger questions um, to everyone. Um, the first being, what significant negative experience have you overcome, and what did it teach you? Uh, do, do you want to go first, or should I? I don't have what you go first. Uh, well, um. My, I guess my big negative experience was um, being uh, my parents breaking up when I was four years old. Okay. And that um, that left me and my sister being brought up by not a very nice person who my dad foolishly married later. Mm. And she she tried to tell me, you know, program me into believing that I was kind of worthless piece of, you know, I won't swear on the on the podcast, but uh, and that that gave me 
um, the feeling for many, many years that I was uh, not good, although mm. I was really good at everything. I was, a, I was good at very tactile things. I'm a, I can be a carpenter and a you know, mason. I can do everything. Uh-huh. But I still had this, always had this feeling that I needed to be appreciated because I didn't find it as a kid. And that's been a, that's been a kind of driving force for me to to like to look for appreciation. And I think that's I think a lot of artists have that. They want to be liked, mm. and we so we look for that. So I don't see it as a negative thing now. I actually see it as an experiential situation that I learn from. And I don't I don't subscribe to good or bad in life. I think it's all experience, and uh, it set me on a path to finding. Looking for truth, you know, I joined the Gurdjieff Society in London for 15 years, and I I studied many. I studied Sufism and Buddhism, and I got into all kinds of isms, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, it was all really because of the suffering I did as a kid. It kind of made me search. So I don't see I don't see suffering as necessarily a bad thing. I think it can push you into excelling in something. For sure, and so. I, I had a major breakthrough in India. I went to India and worked in a university there. And uh, it, it taught me that suffering is really in the perception. It's not in the real... Th- so, for example, we can complain that the rose bushes have thorns or we can re- rejoice that the thorn bushes have roses. Mm-hmm. It's the same event, but a different way of looking at it. So this whole thing I went through as a kid taught me how to look at look at everything in life in a different way, you know. So it was actually a gift. My negative childhood was a big gift for me. So that's, I don't know if that answers your question. Absolutely. That's fantastic. <laughs> Sherry, what about you? Well, um, I had a lot of trouble finding friends when I was a kid. I had a hard time connecting with people. And when I got into high school, I tried. And I ended up just going back to music because mm-hmm. I was like, I just don't like the feeling of this. Um, when I was 18, I foolishly married a drummer which all I really wanted was a drum lesson, but I ended up getting married. And uh, that, uh, yeah. Different I should, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, he, he actually had some mental illness and it was very, very challenging and difficult. Uh, he was very angry. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that he had depression. I just thought he was a very angry person. Right. Um, so I spent a lot of years imagining, knowing that I was going to be free one day. And I realized that um, creativity, I just kept on holding it in my heart, knowing that I have to go through this right now, but I'm one day I'm going to get back to Toronto. I'm going to play music. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. So, um, you know, I really believe strongly that uh, we really can write our own story. Uh, we never know when something's going to happen. You know, we have to have the patience. But as long as we hold that beautiful image within ourselves, um, I really believe that it can happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's happened for me. And now I live in this beautiful little cottage by the lake, nice. you know, and uh, uh, on that song, Four Elements, you'll hear geese. And that's mm-hmm. when this ever day. We, wow. we, we go outside, you know, we're sort of uh, taking a break and all of a sudden we're like, oh, let's record those beautiful geese. Uh, and I love nature. So, you know, nature has always really grounded me. And uh, on Hidden Life with Trees as well, you'll hear some local birds that, you know, we, you know, we recorded them as well. Um, so I, I really do believe that the struggles that you go through, if you can stay true to who you are and what what you want um you know when you when you have relationships with other people sometimes there's those gray areas especially in a marriage where you're like well i, I didn't know you when i was born i mean i'm still who i am right but we, we kind of lose that mm-hmm. and i think it's just so important that in healthy relationships and positive friendships 
you're actually supporting each other. And I, I was always looking for that. I uh, had a hard time finding it. And of course, now that I'm with you, Chris, uh, we're having a great time because awesome. uh, we're on the same wavelength and we just love creating music and playing music together. That's great. Um, so, I mean, looking back, what, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey? Uh, what positive experiences, uh, like as I was going through all of that? And, and um, anything you can pinpoint that has, oh, you've kind yeah. of gone that, oh, wow, I'm actually good at this or, oh, wow, I can, you know, yeah. I should be doing this. Oh, well, this is a great story. I, uh, I, I never had a piano during my marriage. I had some keyboards. When I was okay. a kid, I had a piano. And uh, I went to this event where I played some piano and I write a lot of uh, very meditative piano instrumentals. They're rhythmic, bluesy, mm -hmm. uh, very melodic, uh, lots of different movements. And I just happened to be playing and a gentleman came up to me and he said, uh, I love what you're doing. It makes me feel so good. Would you like a piano? He had huh. a piano for me, and it's actually it was beautiful 1927 Mason Rich that was sitting at a senior's home. Mm. He gave that he gave that to me, and when I had the piano, it actually gave me what I needed to just. I was in my own world, and even though like I'd wait till everybody was asleep at night, midnight, one in the morning, I'd be playing for two two three hours, uh, and that really inspired me, and it also gave me. Because he loved the music so much, and then as I went out and played, people responded so well to it. Um, I had this one uh, time I played in Yorkville, and a woman had just had a car accident. And she said, oh, my God, this is the first time I felt better. Uh, I did another original piano piece. I, I never have titles. It's like A minor. This is a song in A minor. And I said, if anybody has an idea, and this gentleman came up to me and said, I saw pink roses, a meadow of beautiful pink roses. So that's what I, I called the song. Um, so it was a, a really beautiful gift that changed my life and brought me back into knowing who I am and what I can do uh, musically. Awesome. Yeah, well, my, yeah uh, as far as positive experiences that have fed me and made me feel good about what I do. Uh, well, I've got many, many, but I'll tell you one. Uh, I, I made a couple of records with uh, Mel Brooks, the filmmaker. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them was called The Hitler Rap. You could check it out on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's funny. So I, I, I mixed, engineered, and recorded that record. Okay. Uh, so anyway, many, many years later, I was playing in uh, France with a, a Berber artist from North Africa called Ali Amran. Okay. And uh, I came off stage after the concert. I was playing guitar for him. And this German guy came up to me, this young German, and, he's, and he said, Are you, you're Chris Burkett, who made the... Mel Brooks record, the Hitler rap. And I, so I thought he was going to punch me because it's a controversial, it's a funny record, but it's very controversial, you know. It's sending up the, the Nazi thing, right? And I said, yeah, uh, yeah, that was me. Yeah, he said, and he flung his arms around me. He said, I want to thank you because it's the first time us young Germans could laugh about the war. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, that, that for me meant, meant a lot to me because I thought was, you know, it shows, shows you that you can break down these kind of like stereotype things that we're stuck with by using music, you know, to, to do that. And so that, was, so that was one of the many, many positive feedbacks I've had from my, my work. That's fantastic. Do, do you mind if I just quickly share mine? Go for it. I, yeah. I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast before. So um, <laughs> before I left New Hampshire, I was, I was in a uh, hard rock band and uh, this is the first time I've been on stage for quite some time. So I had a lot of stage fright. Um, and before the gig, uh, the, uh, we, I met the sound guy who, who does one of the larger um, 
arenas um, in New Hampshire, Meadowbrook. Yeah. And um, he was a bit standoffish because obviously a lot of local bands are kind of, you know, give him an attitude. And I, I wrote down notes and everything to make sure we got in and out of the stage quickly. Um, so having that, uh, you know, he's kind of standoffish. After we did the uh, show, he came up to readjust the mics and he said, that was fantastic. And, you know, I thought, well, it's it's one thing for, for you know, the singers aunt or whoever to say that was great. You know, you, you like it, but that's a pinch of salt kind of thing. But when the when the sound guy that wasn't giving you two two minutes of his time said that was outstanding, you're kind of like, oh, actually, maybe I'm doing something right. So, <laughs> oh, nice. That's great. That's a nice, yeah. that's a nice story. Thanks for sharing yeah. it. Yeah, no problem. So um, where can people find out all about your music and how to get in contact with you? Well, we have all of our social media links on our uh, website. Okay. And that's uh, www.thefreespirits.ca. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find us on Twitter, The Free Spirits uh, 1, mm -hmm. uh, as well as on YouTube. It's The Free Spirits 1111 with a okay. colon in between like the time. Uh, same as Facebook. It's The Free Spirits 1111 and same on Instagram. So we've sort of kept The Free Spirits with the 1111 because um, there was another band back in, I think, the 70s uh, that were called The Free Spirits. We had found out um, later on. Uh, but yeah, if you go to our website, freespirits.ca, you can uh, hook up with all of our links. Uh, we have a link to CD Baby there where you mm -hmm. can preview all of the songs. You can order it, download it. Um, the videos, we have um, Everyday People. It's uh, uh, on there as well. Uh, the Seeds of Peace that we talked about earlier, uh, Turning Around the Sun as well. And um, so you can find everything awesome. on that site. Yeah, and I've been uh, streaming the album on uh, Spotify. So with CD oh, Baby, you. obviously you're... You're all you're all on all the uh, they're, they're like 150 plus different platforms they distribute to. So yes, yeah. absolutely. That's awesome. Um, and and just to mention again, this Saturday, uh, hopefully this episode will be out uh prior to that. But um, Saturday the 11th is the record release party, and where's that happening? It's a it's a club in Toronto called Say What. So say what is uh, spelled in the French way, C apostrophe E S T. Say what, yes. and uh, that's at uh, sixty-seven Front Street East, Toronto, and we're on stage at nine p.m. Uh, so even though you live in Texas, there's no excuse. You can come out, and, <laughs> come out on Saturday night, January the eleventh, yep. and ch check us out. <laughs> oh, we'll see. <laughs> I think the, uh, the 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 plane tickets are going to be a little bit uh, expensive this this uh, late in the, the game, but that's yeah. well, it's well it's well worth it. You won't yeah. be disappointed. And we'll probably post some videos too from it. That'd, yeah, that'd uh, be great. yeah. There there is a, a huge snowstorm coming, so we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah. uh, right now, the plan is to go ahead. But that's uh, Canadian winters for you. Uh, I yeah. I lived in Manchester, New Hampshire, not too far south, so. Yeah, that's why I came to Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And where where can we find your music? Do you have um, music currently? On your I don't website? have any music up online. I've got a lot of. Uh, I've been doing, um, you know, joining other bands and doing things with other people. Um, that's that's this year's project is is writing a ton of music. I've got I've got hard drives with different bits of ideas all over the place. It's just a case of putting them all together in a coherent format. So. Nice. Um. Yeah. I'll listen to the podcast at the end of the year, and we'll see see if I manage to get something. Out of it. So. Yeah. Well, uh, we're we're looking out for you, and uh, yeah. feel free to send anything. 
do. That you, uh, you're working on. And if you need some uh, production help, just, uh, you know, ask me. So. Awesome. Fantastic. I will do that. Thank you. And we're also, we're also into uh, virtual stuff. You know, I do a lot of virtual recording these days. Mm-hmm. On, the, on one of the Buffy St. Maria albums I produced, we got uh, a, a piano player called Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. And we were we were in Hawaii, and he was in New Zealand, and uh, he played on the track. And my last my two albums ago, I did an album called Freedom in Paris, and I got Tony Visconti to play bass on two tracks, and he was in New York, and I was in Paris. So you mm-hmm. can do you know if you need a guitar overdub or a flute overdub, just just ask us. We can do it online. We don't have to travel to Texas, <laughs> and you don't have to travel to yeah, Toronto. Exactly. Uh, unless we can get some brave new concert, the concert gigs. <laughs> yeah, it, right. but, yeah. The condition is you get us some gigs in Texas. Well, I'll yeah work on that definitely. Uh, I got some yeah. that, so. Great. Let's do, let's do it. Fantastic. Um, so what what song would you like to play from the record at the end of the episode? I think probably this first single, which is called "The Power of Our Love." That's going to be released officially on the 11th of January, but you, okay. you know you can you can put it out. This will be, be fine. Um, and then the next single is is going to be called uh, "Safety in Numbers," which we we told you about the Big yep. Brother watching stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third single will be "Everyday People." Okay. That'll be late later in the year. But the reason we didn't put that out as the first single is because it's not Canadian. It's written by Sly Stone. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order for us to get Canadian airplay, we have to play Canadian I had, I had content. I heard that before, yes. Yeah, so we wanna, we're going to break with the Canadian content songs first. and then right. Because there's, there's a fantastic video out of Everyday People, produced, uh, directed by Tom Amorium. He's a, he was our video director. He, he tragically died a few weeks ago of a heart attack. He's a young, he's a young guy, you know, in his 50s. Mm. Uh, so we're doing a tribute to him actually on a, a concert because he made three videos for us, okay. as well as the uh, cover of the Free Spirits. It was him that uh, took the photo and he did all the yes. all the design and back and forth with CD Baby, making sure we mm. had the right templates and everything. So okay. yeah, we really we really miss him. He was yeah. a beautiful, loving, lovely man. Yeah. And I'll definitely uh, I'll put all the stuff in the show notes about the videos. And uh, if you have any links for the, the music charity that you're working with, I'll, I'll link all that stuff on the web, on my website as well. So, Okay, thank you. As a matter of fact, we are doing some, some work for the veterans. We're going to be doing a mm-hmm. fundraiser uh, for them. And there's a, a few other uh, things that are going on this year. Um, just because we want to just, you know, do a concert for people that really could benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So I'll send you that as well. Well, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, once again, thank you very much for joining me. It was a great interview. Um, yeah, I wish you continued success and keep in touch. Yeah, thank we you. will. Yeah, yes. thank you. Thank Simon. you so much. Yeah, so I really appreciate it. It's great. Uh, you have a big heart, so we like to talk to people like you. Appreciate that. We'll see you in Texas. <laughs> I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes because it really helps to get the word out. I think the information that the band's artists and other business people are sharing with me is extremely useful for the musicians community. Don't forget to check out the show notes from this and every other episode at the website at musiconyourownterms.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter so you can stay in the loop about upcoming episodes and other events happening with the podcast. Thanks again to Chris and Sherry for a wonderful interview. Please check out their music and videos that I've linked on the website in the show notes page. And if you're in the area this Saturday, 
Support them by going to their album release party. As always, keep pushing the needle. Be excellent to each other. This is The Free Spirits with The Power of Love. Why does love have? 